It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. Hamas continues to wage war on Israel as the terrorist group began its assault over the weekend, attacking civilian targets throughout the border region with Gaza. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu vowed to continue retaliation against Hamas with a complete siege of the Gaza Strip. We didn't want this war. It was forced upon us in the most brutal and savage way. But though Israel didn't start this war, Israel will finish it. Once the Jewish people were stateless, Once the Jewish people were defenseless, no longer. Hamas will understand that by attacking us, they've made a mistake of historic proportions. We will exact a price that will be remembered by them and Israel's other enemies for decades to come. Meantime, in Washington, D.C., Congress is paralyzed as House Republicans begin the process of selecting a new speaker. Congressman Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan declaring for the speakership, but people are not counting out the former speaker, Kevin McCarthy. For a conversation on this and more, we bring in our panel, Fox News contributor, nationally syndicated talk show host and Democratic strategist Leslie Marshall, director of domestic policy studies at the American Enterprise Institute, Matthew Connetti, and Fox News senior congressional correspondent, Chad Pergram. All right. So first, uh, Chad, let's just get up to date on where we are on the speaker hunt. Um, Israel is obviously dominating every headline and the atrocities there on the ground. Uh, But right now... Our government, at least the Congress, is frozen. If they get a speaker quickly, it will be expedited because of what has happened in the Middle East. Um, Members of Congress realized Saturday morning they said this is a problem because we probably need to respond in some form. At the very least, pass a a resolution condemning Hamas. Uh, That's something that's on the table right now. Probably send an aid package. Uh, You had uh, Michael McCall, the chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee, indicating that he thought that American troops should go into uh, the the region and try to extract American hostages uh, who are there. Now, you get into areas of war powers there, what Congress needs to know, be uh, be briefed. Uh, There are questions about possible intelligence failures, intelligence sharing. That falls under the purview of Congress. Uh, Congress can do a lot of those things off the floor, but in order to, say, reload the Iron Dome or pass that resolution or provide other aid, that has to come to the floor, and they can't do that unless they have a Speaker of the House. So where we are right now is uh, Steve Scalise, the majority leader, and uh, Jim Jordan, uh, the Judiciary Committee chairman. They are making their appeal to their colleagues right now. Uh, on Wednesday, they will go before the Republican conference and see if there is a, a winner there. Now, I should note that the math inside the Republican conference is a lot lower than it is on the, the House floor. And just because you have, say, Scalise or Jordan, who picks up a regular majority there, 
uh, that doesn't mean that they are anywhere close to having the votes that they need to on the floor. And this is where a lot of people uh, I've talked to, especially moderates and centrists, they are going to be key to this speaker's election, not so much the motion to vacate the chair. Last week, uh, one member said to me, we know the playbook now. In other words, uh, we're just not going to vote for Jordan or Scalise because those aren't our preferred candidates. Uh, maybe somebody else and they could hold out. Uh, we really don't think that Kevin McCarthy is going to emerge here, but what could happen is he could be a spoiler. There is no love lost between Kevin McCarthy and uh, and uh, Steve Scalise, and maybe whether it's tacitly or, or, or something else, you know, shift his support to, to, to Jim Jordan there. That's very possible as well. Uh, if they get locked up and they can't get a clear majority on the floor, maybe some Republicans say, you know, Maybe we should go back to Kevin McCarthy and maybe, and this is the, the other scenario that's out there, Brett, uh, go to Patrick McHenry, the speaker pro tem, who is widely liked across the board. Yeah, it's fascinating. The chess piece is there. Meantime, the depravity and the barbaric uh, actions of Hamas, um, Matthew, has is, is really been stunning to watch. I did two hours of coverage this morning with Dana Perino and some of the stories, um, well, they're just horrible. And they affect you deeply because you you hear about the pain and anguish uh, going through these Israeli families. Right now, we know uh, from the White House uh, that 14 Americans are dead. At least 20 are missing. They're not saying that all of those are hostages, but they're missing. So it is a different moment. The president spoke today from the White House Things he didn't mention, um, he did not mention Iran in that speech, even though it is a big supporter of Hamas and Hezbollah, um, but did say that the U.S. is standing firmly behind Israel. Your thoughts? Well, uh, Biden has another major war on his hands. He also has a potential hostage crisis on his hands. He has the head of the snake, Iran, waiting uh, perhaps ready to open another front in its war on Israel, this time in the north through its Hezbollah proxy in Lebanon. It's a lot for any president, Brett, because the ongoing conflict in Ukraine is not dying down. There are controversies over continued funding there. And then the third piece of this puzzle is in East Asia, where China is belligerent against the Philippines and, of course, extending its arms around Taiwan. The question is, are the two phenomenon linked? That is, how does the speaker impasse affect America's ability to sustain our allies in Ukraine and Israel? And I fear that this impasse with the speakership will hamper and hinder those efforts. We also have to remember, government funding runs out in about a month. We have the possibility of not having a Speaker of the House, of having the government shut down amidst a world at war. Americans need to get very serious very quickly. And I think Biden's remarks this afternoon were a step in the right direction, but he has to continue to be serious and continue to support Israel once Israel takes the fight to Hamas, which will inflame the global left and the calls for a ceasefire will mount and mount and mount. Yeah, that's a good point, Leslie. Um, and that is, as this operation moves forward, they're already shutting off electricity and water supplies to the Gaza Strip. Israel has threatened Egypt that if it sends in trucks with supplies, those trucks are 
at risk of being shot um, by missiles. It could get really, really ugly. It's already ugly. But the images and the humanitarian situation could get very ugly. And the world will weigh in, especially in the region. Absolutely. You know, I don't even know who posted this, but I reposted it this morning. And it was a man who said, I will weep beside the casket of an Israeli child. And I will weep beside the casket of a Palestinian child. Of the 2.3 million Palestinians, 52% are under 18 years of age. And we know that children are not making these decisions. We know that adults, terrorists, murderers are making these decisions. But these decisions have been brewing sadly for 75 years. And when the United Nations and the world said, okay, guys, you guys work it out, make peace, divide up this country into two countries and generations, three now, have been living through war. The children on both sides of this uh, brutal, terrible uh, battle that just just keeps going. President Biden said, and I quote, not about party or politics. This is about security of the world. And to your point, Brett, it, 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 it certainly is. I mean, the world is affected by this. The world is affected on a humanitarian level. And we know going forward, there will be economic uh, uh, repercussions. We know going forward beyond that, politics, which brings us to home. I, I think to Matthew's point, and I would agree with him, um, this nation and the world is watching what this party in power in the House can or cannot do. And can they put that politics aside and unite as a party and work in a bipartisan manner, as we see being done in the Senate? to get things done that affect not only our nation, but certainly affect uh, the world. It, it, it's, a, it's a very, very scary time. I mean, we don't think there's going to be a dark horse candidate coming into this. Scalise and Jordan don't have the number. Politics is a numbers game. They don't have the 217. McCarthy won't cut a deal with the Democrats. Uh, his comeback for him is a long shot. Um, you know, and, and I, think, I think there are a lot of voters out there, regardless of what their ideology is, that look at this and say, you got to get your stuff together because right now our allies and children on, on the other side of this in, in Gaza uh, need our help. Yesterday, my husband was called with Doctors Without Borders. He's worked with them before. And they're so desperate because to your point, Brett, um, they, they're having difficulty uh, getting supplies in and they're having difficulty treating the uh, wounded uh, with the things that, that have been cut off. We all understand that Israel is retaliating. We all understand this is war. But as human beings, we also understand that children are children. Panel, we'll hold it right there. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. And it's a fair point, Chad, about the Republicans and getting their house in order. But, you know, on the flip side about policy decisions, the Democratic Biden administration and how it's handled the Middle East, how it's handled the policy of Iran, how it's not fully uh, enforced the sanctions that are in place, never took the sanctions off. But Iran went from selling six billion dollars of oil to China to 21 to $30 billion last year. 
Um, let's set aside the $6 billion for the hostage deal to get the Americans out and the fact that no money has gone from that account to the Iranians and how they're tracking all of that. Just take all of that off the table. But the first of all, you know that that money is there covering something. So money moves. It's fungible. And second of all, the, it, the other money is the oil money, which is tons and tons of money that a lot of it goes to Hezbollah and Hamas. So that's a big issue on Capitol Hill. I just talked to Senator Joni Ernst over on this bipartisan, bicameral CODEL. She just left Israel. She's been in a bunch of different countries with uh, some congressmen and women. And, you know, it, it, it's really amazing to see how you could get to common ground, but there are different thoughts about Middle East policy. You know how a couple of years ago there were going to be big hearings and there were hearings about how they handled Afghanistan and the withdrawal. Uh, this is more consequential, frankly, and, uh, and and will resonate more probably with the public because it's more brutal than what happened in Afghanistan a couple of years ago with the botched withdrawal. Uh, Republicans, uh, they talk about President Biden and the border. This is going to be one more thing to run against him, say that, you know, these, t you know, the way you've handled Iran, the way you've handled the Middle East, uh, they'll point to certain members of his party, uh, you know, members of the squad who said things that are very controversial about what happened in Israel and, and who's to blame and who isn't to blame, uh, you know, Rashida Tlaib and some others, uh, the Democratic representative from Michigan. Uh, you can imagine that that is going to be, uh, you know, a problem for the Democrats politically. Now, politically, the one thing that we see sometimes crises uh, help a president. Uh, if they go in and they take bold action and say some of these hostages are rescued or whatever, uh, that works out very well. We've seen that go very badly also. I mean, I think about uh, President Carter in April of 1980 and uh, when they tried to rescue the Iranian hostages uh, and that was a failed uh, you know, effort in the desert. And, and that was one of the things that, that contributed uh, to the perception that America had kind of lost its footing on the global stage and, and kind of added to President Reagan's uh, you know, vim and vigor as he came into office. You know, that he, you know, he was going to change things. So that's something that could be argued there. But I'll tell you, you know, the, those hearings, I could see potentially, um, you know, them even setting up. This is still pretty early here, but some sort of a, a special select committee to look at this. Honestly, you know, and the Republicans, now the Republicans, they, they have bigger problems. They got to figure out who the speaker is first. They can't do that. Uh, they've got this impeachment inquiry, supposedly, such that it is floating around out there. We don't really know the status of that. We'll get back to that later at some point, I suppose. Pose. Uh, but this uh, will probably supersede all of that. Yeah. And Matthew, obviously, in the background is the expansion potential, as you mentioned, Hezbollah, but it could be bigger than that, um, of this conflict. And that, you know, just off the, the shores is the USS Gerald Ford uh, carrier strike group and what it would mean uh, for U.S. forces in some way, shape or form, even if it's hostage rescue. Uh, to be on the ground. Right now, that's not in the cards, they say. But if asked, the U.S. surely wouldn't turn down and ask from an Israeli prime minister. Israel's our closest ally in the Middle East. America has guaranteed the security of Israel since its inception in 1948. Uh, we have close ties to that country. We're both covenantal nations. And Israel's engaged in a fight against a barbarian terrorist group that does not care about children, that does not care about Palestinian children, that in fact targets children and uses Palestinian children as shields. And so we have to be very clear 
about the stakes and about the combatants in this conflict and whose side we're on. And I think you're right, Brett, to suggest we're in the opening stages of this conflict. And we really have to put what's happening in the Middle East in tandem with what is happening in Ukraine. The same drones that Hamas is using to target Israeli civilians are being used by Russia to target Ukrainian civilians. Iran is connected to both wars. Iran is the head of the snake. And I think Biden's move of our naval assets and air assets into the Eastern Mediterranean, I think some of his words and his message on October 10th are meant to suggest to Iran that it would not be in their interest to expand this war. But the situation is very fluid. And, and I do believe that a lot of conversations will change as soon as these more than 300,000 reservists, which have been mobilized in Israel, begin to take the fight to Hamas and Gaza. And we really don't know what will happen at that point, but we must be clear that we will support Israel for as long as it takes to destroy Hamas. Leslie, a lot of people post a uh, speech by the president said there were moments in there that were very firm, very strong, very resolute. Uh, but there were moments in there that, you know, harkened back to other speeches. And again, absent in that speech was any mention of the word Iran. Yeah, and I'm not surprised. I mean, two of our closest allies, uh, you know, not Israel and the Middle East, but, uh, you know, Great Britain, France, uh, they're being silent on Iran as well. Um, look, uh, you know, the GOP has certainly uh, tried to link $6 billion in the Iran prisoner swap to the Hamas attack on Israel. Uh, the president, uh, his administration have said those funds are untouched. Um, this is not a time for finger pointing, but I do think it's a time for truth and I do think it's a time for clarity. And and I think that at the appropriate time, the president might mention Iran and perhaps it's too early. I mean, you can't look. It, 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 I know people may say if it walks like a duck and, you know, it has webbed feet, it's a duck. But at the same time, you can't just stand as a leader or the leader of the free world on an international stage and, and point uh, fingers. And I think that's why there is caution um, with wording, not just by our president, but by the leaders of, you know, France, the UK and, you know, other uh, great nations that are strong allies um, of us, uh, you know, here in the United States. And certainly because, you know, the world is watching. And, we you know, when I say the world and, and you talk about how this could possibly expand, uh, Jordan, uh, they list, you know, they, they really must continue to support our great ally talking about Israel as it expels this invasion, overwhelms these extremists and works to prevent Hamas from ever harming Israeli citizens again. Their population is hugely uh, Palestinian. Egyptians in Egypt, they're warning Israel not to take disproportionate action um, against uh, the Palestinian people. And of course, you know, there's Lebanon and the list goes on. So I think it's very important that the president be firm, but also temper his words, because this could be, um, God forbid, the beginning of something much, much bigger in that region, because when you look at the statements from uh, surrounding uh, Arab and, you know, uh, you know, heavily Muslim and, and some very Palestinian supporting nations, um, it can get uh, very dangerous with finger pointing. All right, Chad, let me um, end where I began, and that is um, this speaker's race. If you played Canada Casino with your $100 chips, uh, do we have a speaker by the end of the week? I think that it's increasingly 
looking that that's possible, but I'll tell you, the math sometimes is immutable. Here's the one factor to look at, and this is why it's, it's very, very hard to read right now. Number one, uh, do they come into these meetings the next couple of days and they see the direction that this is going? And they say, all right, it's obvious that candidate A or B, you know, has most of the conference, so I'll just go along because we have to have a speaker underscored because of what's been going on in the Middle East. That is one scenario. The other scenario is that no matter what, and this works uh, more against uh, Jim Jordan, frankly, the Republican from Ohio, that there are some Republicans who think that he is just too conservative, that it's too far a break with Kevin McCarthy, uh, that, uh, as we've indicated here in the past few minutes, they have to fund the government in about a month's time. Uh, that's a problem. Uh, you know, what sort of wherewithal he has to negotiate with President Biden and Chuck Schumer, if it's Jim Jordan to be Speaker of the House, they know that that is a problem. And again, I always say it's about the math. You cannot balance the equation unless they get there. Uh, is there a way that they somehow, you know, get some of these members who are reluctant to support Scalise or Jordan and they get a lowered number, you know, somehow and some people are absent that day? You know, I always, you know, compare it to an algebraic equation. You don't know the number needed until you take that particular roll call vote. I suspect it probably takes a couple, three failed votes before they get to somebody. And if nothing else, even if they are starting to coalesce, um, they probably, uh, you know, do it this week just because of the urgency on the global stage. And maybe that's where they suddenly get religion and either might go back to Kevin McCarthy. I think that scenario is much less likely. But again, if he were to be full on in, you know, he'd probably get 200 votes right off the bat. Or they say, look, look at the uh, speaker pro tem, Patrick McHenry. Uh, he's somebody who has negotiated with the Biden administration on the debt ceiling. He's somebody who's credible, who's well liked. Um, you know, you could see that pivot really fast. Yeah. I, you know, I, I always say about leadership elections, it's, it's particle politics. You can't tell how it's going to turn out because it's decided at the subatomic political yeah. level. Is there any chance, uh, last time all the Democrats stood together and voted for Hakeem Jeffries as speaker, is there any chance that the 32 Democrats as a part of the problem solvers caucus could actually solve a problem and vote for one of the choices then thereby break whatever logjam there may be. You know, in this environment and with this new factor with the Middle East, I wouldn't rule anything out. I mean, I mean, Democrats viewed that as a caucus vote, a parliamentary vote, and that's why they voted in lockstep last week. Uh, even the, the, the conservative Democrats like Jared Golden from Maine, but then again, some of them might uh, turn around and say, you know, we think we have to have to vote for somebody here. But again, think about who they're voting for. They're not voting for, say, like a moderate Republican like David Joyce from Ohio or, or, or Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania or somebody. They're voting for Scalise or Jordan. Or McCarthy. You know, that, or, or McCarthy. But, you know, you see, but the problem with McCarthy is a lot of uh, Democrats certainly don't trust him. So that's where maybe this does get locked up for a while. I, I got to tell you, Brett, I've been around here a long time. This one is really hard to read. Hmm. Well, we'll keep reading it uh, with you and others. Thank you very much, panel. A little bit of history here. Nearly 250 years ago, this nation set forth on an experiment, a government for the people, by the people. And I explored this time period in my new book, which is out today, To Rescue the Constitution, George Washington and the Fragile American Experiment. And we learned about the leadership of America's first president, his determination to unify our nation through the ideals expressed in our Constitution. There was no person who left a note in the Oval Office desk for President George Washington. There was no torch to be passed. He was the torch. 
President Washington really taught us the lessons about our country that we can learn in our current political landscape if we look back. So To Rescue the Constitution is available now wherever books are sold. So pick it up, learn about the founding of our great nation. We have a lot to learn. That'll be it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Leslie, Matt, and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.